Folks, welcome to Trainwreck tonight. 309 aptly titled Back on Track as our Buffalo Bills get back on track with a big win over the Las Vegas Raiders at home in their opener. We had great action by the defense. We had great efficient action by the offense. And we even had somebody doing cocaine, LSD, and marijuana at the same time. Or as I like to call it, getting ready for train wreck tonight. Let's go. You don't stop. You don't stop. You don't stop. You don't stop. Folks, welcome to Trainwreck tonight. 309, always a much better mood on a victory Monday. And speaking of the Happy Valley, let's get some guests in here. I have one of our guests who woke up years ago and decided that he was going to be a Bills journalist. And I have another man who wakes you up every Sunday and gets you ready for those Bills. Of course, we're talking about Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate and, of course, Brother Bill of all over the country. Gentlemen, victory Monday. How are we feeling? Hey, doing great here. I'm I'm on top of the world. Seriously, it was a lot to be on top of after that display yesterday. Let's get right into it. Obviously, a lot of anticipation always is that way with the home opener. You start the game, not exactly the beginning you were looking for. I don't think I've ever seen an offense go so easily down the field as they did on the Bills. Talk to me about that feeling five minutes into the game yesterday, gents. Go ahead. Um, oh, I was pretty upset, man, <laughs> especially after like the, the way the Jets game went and, um, we, it just looked so easy, like you said, and it was just very, uh, deflating, especially cause there's so much energy, like the freaking plane flew like two inches over the stadium to spikes was there, which is like childhood legend for me. So like everyone was super fired up. I think the first possession, there was a third down or the very first, uh, series like we got them to third down and the place was jumping and they converted and then just like drove straight down so it was just like you had the train horn you had everybody fired up and then all of a sudden touchdown 
Talbot, we hadn't seen that much pop about Jimmy G since he was rumored to be at Mulberry's about three or four years ago. Were you nervous at all for these bills when you saw that first five minutes? I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I mean, the boo birds came out a little bit after the three and out from the bills following that touchdown drive. And I said, Oh, it could get ugly here fast with the crowd, at least in terms of uh, the noise level. And what I realized now after covering this team for many years, scripted plays, every team has about 10 to 15 scripted plays that they come out with. It's based on what they see from these defenses. It's plays that they practice all week long. If, if anything, those are the plays that they should be executing at a high level and, you know, kudos to Garoppolo, Devontae Adams and company. They executed when it mattered most. And like Brother Bill said, the, the Bills got them into a third down situation once. Uh, and then I think it was a long completion to Adams on that drive that uh, moved the chain. So I, I wasn't surprised with the points. I, I wanted to see how the Bills reacted after that. Obviously an interception on the second series. Uh, and then from that point on, the defense played lights out. So I had worry level written down here, and I think it's fair. You guys both level-headed takes, not really actual worry. I mean, a little bit maybe concerned, obviously, with the start after that whole week buildup, after everything you were seeing in the media. But with that said, now that we're a full day after, 25 hours after, are you surprised that they were able to deliver such a statement for that final 55 minutes? I mean, it felt like they were playing with a chip on shoulder. They said, you know, that they had kind of tuned out the noise and everything. Uh, but Brother Bill, I mean, obviously, it looked like they were playing with a chip on their shoulder for that last 55. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I think somebody posted a stat earlier in the week that like Josh's stat line after three interception games or something like that. And it's like usually really, really good. And we know the player he is like, I think as long as he plays, there's going to be those games with him because he's just a gunslinger and it just happens. Sometimes the ball just falls that way. So um, I have faith in him a lot. Like Josh is my guy and I, I think he's top two. And um, as long as you have that, I think you're in good hands. So, like, I'll take the shortcomings when they happen because I know most likely he's going to bounce back and it's going to be good most of the time. You said it, Talbot. The Boo Birds were out five minutes in. I was there. We all heard them. Doesn't seem like they're out 25 hours later. Seems like it's more back to business as usual. Seems like it's more you cut any piece of the 2021-2022 pie. That's how we're feeling right now this Victory Monday. Yeah, and as Brother Bill said, Josh Allen, after a turnover, a three-turnover performance like that, has great stats. Sean McDermott, following a loss, uh, has a great win-loss record. You have a Raiders team that had a fly across the country for this game. A lot of little factors that I, I thought that all kind of baked into the fact that I thought the Bills were going to pull away with this. Uh, you were at Wing Nuts on, on Saturday night. I said 38-17 Bills. Came pretty close to the final score there. I gave the Raiders a little bit too much credit, I suppose. Uh, but I thought that the Bills had more talent on both sides of the ball. Garoppolo is a talented game manager, but he's not a guy that you're going to get win a lot of games in terms of if it's a shootout where the other team's putting up 30-plus points. So we talked about the slow start. I would say none of us are surprised by the end result. 38-10 Bills, they were the better team. It was a nine-point spread to you know, win a game by multiple scores. Not necessarily a surprise there. But now thinking back on the game, what stood out to you most? Maybe what surprised you the most? And maybe what didn't surprise you that seems to be everyone reacting to? Maybe it's like Shakir or something like that. Why don't we reverse it, Talbot? Why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, biggest surprise and in a great way was Spencer Brown's performance against Max Crosby. Uh, Brown had a rough week one against the Jets, and the Jets have a great defensive line. You know, losing a few snaps here and there against a D line like that, it's going to happen. Then you have a second, uh, two time second team All Pro, two time Pro Bowler coming, lining up across from you in week two. And Brown pretty much locks him up all game. 
Crosby had a few wins in, in the one-on-one matchups, but he didn't really get to Allen. He didn't really hit Allen. And at the end of the day, that's a win for your right tackle. So, you know, Spencer Brown would be my biggest surprise in, in the positive manner. And Kingsley Jonathan, Syracuse product, deserves a, a shout-out for that as well because he was Max Crosby in practice all week uh, in terms of using the pass rush arsenal that Crosby displays on a game-to-game basis and getting Brown ready for that game. And we might need Kingsley Jonathan to do his best Max Crosby uh, impression this coming Sunday. But, Bill, anything stick out to you uh, now that it's a day a day in the rearview mirror? I think uh, Josh Jacobs being held uh, like negative two yards or whatever it was is crazy because he was like the rushing leader last year. We got kind of shredded by uh, Brees Hall last week. So I was a little worried about that. And um, I think Terrell Bernard had a really – surprisingly good game too like I I not I guess I don't really know what to expect out of him just yet so it was a pleasant surprise to see him play the way he did and the run defense kind of step up the way it did it's funny because you typically have so much turnover in professional sports but the Buffalo Bills especially have found a way to have continuity on this roster to where like you said when you have one new defender like playing significant snaps it almost feels like a new character in a tv show or a movie so like, oh what's this uh Terrell Bernard guy all about but love to see it. And one thing that looked like a rerun uh, more than anything, I'm looking at some parallels to 2021-22. I want to get your guys' thoughts. Obviously, that's September 2021. You start with a letdown game, uh, a fall apart in the second half against the Steelers. You answer back with a couple of big wins. Week three against the Commanders. Seems like the same thing happening here. A letdown, you know, loss in the second half against the Jets. And then, obviously, we have the Commanders next week following a big win. And then on the flip side, for 2022, last year, Titans game, you start out 7-7. About 10 to 12 minutes in, it looked like it could be a close game for that home opener. No, not the case. Again, a blowout win. Uh, More proof to me that this team really is a step above the other teams in the league. And it's not just the Raiders. It's not just one or two teams. I think that they're solidly entrenched in that top five tier. I think anything else being discussed is just nonsense. Sean McDermott, hot seat. I know some crazy tweets have been flowing around there, but it all sounds like nonsense to me. Speaking of things that are actually sensible, I want to put you two to the test here. Uh, BB, let's start with you first. Two games in, 120 minutes into this Bills season. I actually know it's 125 or so with OT. What are you more confident in? Joshua Patrick Allen to lead this offense on a scoring drive or Sean McDermott's defense to get a stop? I'm going with Josh. I think uh, I trust Josh to, to, especially in those like situations where it becomes almost backyard football, like, He's just so good at that, and uh, I would definitely trust him with the game on the line. Yeah, and I'll echo those that thought. I, I'll go with Josh Allen as well, but you know, let, let's give the defense their flowers here through two games. They they did really hold uh, a Jets offense in check, and obviously when you have Zach Wilson in there, um, it's not a huge accomplishment, but this week uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, they still have Devontae Adams. They have the rushing leader in Josh Jacobs. I like the way that this defense came to play. I think Ed Oliver has had the best eight quarters of his career in these first two games under Sean McDermott's uh, defense. I love what I'm seeing from Greg Rousseau. Rousseau, um, after the game, I asked Sean McDermott about him, and he said, you know, he's, he's kind of developing into this beast. He's he's growing into that body. He's been in the system now for a few years. He, he is getting more and more confidence on a game-by-game basis. So I like that front. I like what we saw out of Leonard Floyd in, in week one. He had a little bit of an ankle injury this past week. But 
even the the players the next tier down, your AJ Epineza getting his hands up, deflecting a pass for a big third down stop. Uh, the the fact that you have the linebackers playing at such a high level, Bernard getting the interception, Matt Milano playing all world still, which. You know, I, I don't think it's a huge surprise with Milano's play, but when Tremaine Edmonds left the building in free agency, there were some questions in terms of would it affect Matt Milano at all. And through two games, the answer is a resounding no. So in the front seven, I really like what I've seen, or the front six because they run the two linebackers. In the secondary, has been some pretty good things too, especially from Christian Benford, in my opinion. Uh, I, I do have a, a few concerns on the back end in terms of, Trey White still looking a, a little out of sorts. I'm not sure if we're ever going to get that Trey White pre-injury back. I'm hoping that uh, with a few more games, though, he returns to form a little bit more. But overall, this defense has done a great job. I got mute monstered. I think they've been clicking on all cylinders to start the season. I know that, you know, the Garrett Wilson catch, I'm sure we'll be seeing highlights of that all year. I'm sure we'll see the Devontae Adams summary catch. But when you take those two plays out of the season so far, it has been cement from Sean McDermott's defense. So I love to see that. Um, and with that said, you know, I know, listen, we could talk diligent points all day, but there was some crazy stuff going on at the opener yesterday. And I want to talk about it with you guys, because obviously when something's a Bill's story, it becomes a little bit bigger. It takes on uh, a little bit of a life of its own, so to speak. So the first thing I want to talk about is obviously this Takeo Spike situation. And brother Bill, I feel like you're the perfect person to kind of give your, you know, perspective. I know you said you were ready to run through a wall and make 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 him his own box at the stadium. <laughs> I was pretty. I it was sucky because, uh, you know, you get like you get in the car and uh, you're all fired up. And I just saw the picture of him in the booth. I didn't even read the caption yet, and I retweeted it like immediately because I was like, "This is fucking sick." I don't know. If it's <laughs> but then I start reading it, and I'm like, "Oh no!" And I like unretweeted it immediately, and I'm like, "What?" And uh. Dude, that was so disappointing. One, we have him posing with Mitch Marner, which is wild to me. And then and then I see him with a view of a brick wall. Like, I don't get how that happens. Like, Yeah, I mean, let's face it. He didn't see what happened on that fourth and one play when Josh missed Kincaid in the end zone, for sure. That was definitely <laughs> blocked. Um, yeah, very odd. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like a dropping of the ball. I don't want to harp on it too much because obviously they're focusing on the personnel on the field and everything. But, you know, these were the things, I'll just say this, when it was the drought, when it was the Sabres going through a 10-year playoff drought themselves, 11-year playoff drought themselves, you like to see them get these things right as far as taking care of former players, as far as taking care of former legends. So when they don't, it's obviously a little bit disappointing. Let's go on to that next phase. Maple Leafs on the field, I'll talk on this one. I was absolutely disgusted. The fact that anybody thinks this is okay... What is who, whose idea was that? Russ Brandon to get some Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, let's get some crossover in the markets here. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. The Maple Leafs time has come and gone. They finally won a playoff series so they can jump in the back of the storylines. It's all about Dylan Cousins. It's all about Tage Thompson. It's all about Devin Levi this coming season. It's all about the Sabres. So I, again, I, I don't know. Uh, actually, Bill, I'm going to put it back on you because I don't want, I don't want to put Talbot too, too close to the fire here, but what disappointed you more? The fact that the Maple Leafs were on the field pregame celebrating in Bill's stuff or the fact that TKO was kind of relegated, relegated to that box. Oh man, that's tough. I was like shocked when I saw the picture. I had to like double check to make sure it was Mitch Martin. <laughs> what? It like, was, it was, it was like, it was, was a little, it was, it was a bad double take. There's nothing like a bad double take. Cause you're like, no, that couldn't have been the case. And instead you look and obviously you find the truth. Um, this next story is literally picking up like wildfire, uh, in more ways than one. We got a fan 
storming the construction site of the stadium, apparently covered himself in feces and stuff before doing this. I guess I got to make sure my facts are right. This is all coming out right now through Erie County and whatnot. Um, first off, Talbot, in your time covering the team, has anything approaching even this crazy happened? I, I can honestly say no. I mean, there's been some stories. There's fans that kind of fell off the upper deck at one point, like sliding down it. There, there's been some definite stories, but this one, you know, there's more and more details emerge. Uh, you just kind of sit there and shake your head. And I guess he made history as the first Bills fan to get kicked out of the new stadium. Um, but yeah, it is a wild, wild story. I hope he doesn't have season tickets right now at the old stadium. And it's kind of like waiting on a unborrowed time here, Bill. That could be a dangerous situation. Uh, wait, say that part again. <laughs> I said it could be a dangerous situation if this guy's got season tickets right now, but now he's banned from the future oh, stadium. Oh, I, 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 would, I would assume they banned him from both stadiums. It's kind of like a, you know, like when you get loophole. banned from one Las Vegas property, you get banned from another. Believe me, I know from experience like with that said, um, Bill, I mean, what would you do if you woke up today? If you woke up today and you were this individual, what would you do? What would your next step be? Um, check to make sure I still have a job with my uh, my office or wherever I worked. Um, I don't know, man. Hope that it doesn't my public my uh, my name doesn't get out there. I guess. Seriously. I mean, I, and I'm, and I was looking, obviously, I don't know about you guys, but the, yesterday was my first time kind of looking really at the new stadium area, completely thrown off by the lack of foliage that used to be in that area. The trees kind of separating the sections, everything. I don't even know where this guy ended up, but yeah, sounds like a crazy story. And I'm sure more details will be on the way out. Uh, anything else you guys got from this home opener before we start to look ahead a little bit? Um, I was going to bring up, um, they try to do the jump around with Billy. Bob. Yeah. Talk to me about this. I missed it completely. You were, you, by the way, you were, when I read your tweet, you were a, on, you were right on about the flyover, by the way. Like I could felt like I literally touched the wing when it was flying over, but talk to me about this jump around with Billy Buffalo. Cause I missed it. Part of it might've been because there was a huge blackout of like Wi-Fi, And maybe that was to stop people from tweeting about how terrible the jump around <laughs> Billy Buffalo did was he came out. Honestly, an amazing outfit. He had like a decked out sunglasses, Zuba's suit. And everyone's like, oh, what's Billy Buffalo going to do? Like he was kind of getting ready. And they started playing jump around and he was doing the thing. And there was like just a week effort from around. The Nobody wanted to do it. It was you could feel the awkwardness like around the state. Like I felt bad for Billy Buffalo because he was just sinking, sinking ship. Feel, feeling bad for Billy Buffalo. That's never <laughs> a situation you want to be in, needless Buffalo. to say. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, regular season form will roll around. The Bills got it taken care of on the field, so hopefully Billy Buffalo can continue to get it taken care of off the field. And you actually made a great point there that I want to mention. The Bills stadium experience. Listen, I love the Bills, and I love Rich Stadium, Ralph Wilson Stadium, New Era Stadium, Highmark Stadium, whatever you want to call it. I have no problem with the physical stadium itself. I'm, I'm fine with everyone wanting an upgrade and everything. How is it 2023 and we do not have dependable Wi-Fi in this stadium? I mean, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're overspending $2 billion on a new stadium. And I can't even figure out what the score of the Bengals-Ravens game is. Not to mention, you got the big scoreboard screen. I can't even tell you how many times they showed that Gabe Davis had three catches for 26 yards yesterday or whatever. Where are my out-of-town scores? 
Where are my stat lines from other people? And by the way, if we're going to really complain about this, how about the fact that when they show the stat lines, they always include the Thursday night game. So there's just always a guy at the top already. Like DeAndre Swift was at the top of the, of the leaders yesterday for like three hours before <laughs> everyone finally caught him. So I know I can rant. I know I can go off on a tangent. I'm going to hold it there. But come on, Bill Stadium experience. We got to be better. Whether it's finding somewhere for the legends to sit or getting the Wi-Fi working or getting Billy Buffalo ready to jump around. But hey, let's focus on this coming week, gents. Obviously, Victory Monday, it's a 24-hour rule. We're just about closing in on that. Bills open up. I think they opened up at around minus five or minus five and a half. And, you know, at some spots, it's already up to six, six and a half at Washington. So I want to hear from you guys. Are you confident going into this matchup, as confident as the Raiders matchup? Are you thinking that maybe this could be a tough road test early in the season for the Bills? Uh, What are we thinking, Talbot? Yeah, I I think I have a lot of confidence in the Bills in this game, to be quite honest. There's some tough matchups. You can look at the defensive line and how much they've invested in that over the years and uh, another test for this offensive line for the Bills, but I like the way that they've held up over the first two weeks. Um, And I want to give Eric Biennemi some credit, too. I feel like this Washington offense is playing very well with a young quarterback in Sam Howell, and they, they have some nice, talented players, and uh, McLaurin and John Dotson and some solid running backs too. But I still look at this team as someone that's not in that same tier as the Bills, which, you know, you mentioned the Bills are like a, a top three, top four team probably in this league. And, and Washington, maybe they're up and coming, but the commanders just aren't there yet. So I do like the Bills on the road in this game. Billiam? Uh, I'm I'm with him. I think the Bills are going to handle business. Um, I know like – Ron and McDermott kind of know each other, so I'm sure like they'll have some good schemes for each other because they're both defensive-minded guys and everything. But I think at the end of the day, you just look at the quarterback and the playmakers, and I think we have them on that. Um, definitely some good talent there, though. Like Their receivers are good. Um, they, they do have a lot of good personnel and kudos, like you said, uh, Talbot to Eric Bieniemy because I think that, you know, he kind of got lost in the shuffle when he went over to Washington after the end of last year and everything and pe- people kind of discrediting him saying it's Andy Reid's system, et cetera, et cetera. From what I've seen of that Washington offense already, they definitely look like they're scheming to get more options open, to be a little bit more volatile of an offense stuff you were seeing in Kansas city. And I, of course, small sample size. But going on to our next point, we have the Chiefs struggling offensively out of the gate. Only able to now again, Jacksonville is no easy foe at home. They got those, you know, huge pools up there. They got Jackson Deville, of course, making the crowd go crazy. But the Chiefs struggling to score points without Bienemy uh, at the helm of that offense. You got the Bengals at 0-2. They don't really know what's going on with the Burrow injury. So I want to talk to you guys because obviously any Bills fan going into this year, it was the Bills the Chiefs and the Bengals were kind of like your big three. Yes, the Dolphins were just outside the tier, but now they've kind of worked their way in here with a quick 2-0 and start, despite only a plus 10-point differential through the two games. So with that said, if you had a Bills fan high, who's that? Is it me? Third down? It's third down? Okay, huge. That's what yeah, I was no, say. it's... I live way too close to uh, train tracks, and this happens all of our shows. I love it. I know. I I, I wasn't like the third down train whistle. I wasn't sure if it was your natural train or if it was Bill's just like house, like like maybe an early six o'clock alarm or something. Yeah, that's like his doorbell. That's the doorbell. Exactly. I wasn't sure if that was going. But here, I want you guys to create a Bill's fan pie, and we'll just create. We'll just use these three teams for right now because they are kind of at the top: Chiefs, Bengals, Dolphins. Out of a hundred percent pie. What is your concern for each team going forward this season? I'll go first. I still, the Chiefs are the Undertaker to me. You know that, Talbot. Till I see them fully retired and not doing one night one night shows with the Undertaker or whatever, I'm still going to believe they're rock and rolling. So I'm going to give the Chiefs 
58%. I'm going to give the Dolphins 27%. And I'm going to give the Bengals 15%. And truthfully, that 15% is just because Joe Burrow has found ways to defy the odds over the last couple of years. And I wouldn't put it past him to be able to do so going forward. So I got what 58, 27, and 15 Chiefs, Dolphins, Bengals for my worry pie uh, of the Bills. Who wants to go first here? Sure. Um, I'll go with the Chiefs and the Bengals at 40% each. So there's 80. Dolphins, 20. Uh, Dolphins, 2-0. and A lot of talent. Built like a track team. But both of those games, they, they've let the other teams hang around. I haven't seen a, a dominant performance. And yes, yeah, small sample size. Very, uh, you know, two games into the season. But the Chargers, that was a back-and-forth game. Neither defense could get a stop for the most part until very late. And, and then... The Patriots game. I know the Patriots know the Dolphins really well. The Patriots don't have the same level of talent as the Miami Dolphins, but they were charging down the field late in that game with a chance to tie it. So there's still some issues there with Miami. I I need to see Tua play the entire season. I have to give the Bengals the same odds or the same worry level as the Chiefs because the Bengals have been a thorn in Buffalo's side the, the past few years. And until I see Buffalo take care of business against them, uh, I have to have them high up there as well. Billiam. You're forcing me to do math, which I don't love. All right. <laughs> all right I'll, I'll help you along the way. What, what, what do you want to do? What, what fraction? Okay. Are the Chiefs? Chiefs are definitely the top dog. Uh, until you knock, like until proven otherwise, they're always going to be the top dog. Um, I'm probably going to go. It's tough. I, I would say Bengals and Dolphins are very tight for me. So like Chiefs, a big number, and then Bengals, Dolphins, somewhere, somewhere. So you got Chiefs, but- Chiefs at sixty, Dolphins and Bengals at like twenty each, roughly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good okay. one. Okay, okay. Um, well, hey guys, he cuts hair and makes videos. He doesn't do math. Okay, it's uh, let let him stick to his talents. He math student. Um, but like, yeah, like you still got to respect the Bengals. They still have playmakers. They've been there before. I mean, even last year they started slow. Um, so like, it, it's not the end of the world yet for them. I think they could come back easily and, and oh, and two really could mean nothing in the long run. And the dolphins, I mean, they look good. I think two was, I tweeted today, like, I'm not gonna make the jokes. Like, like he's like, it's everybody else doing the work. Like he's making some great throws. He looks good. Tyreek is on a whole nother level, dude. He's just so fast and so good. Their playmakers are scary. So I agree. Tua, even though I will still chant he sucks whenever I give him the opportunity. I'm not going to be nice to him. but Yeah, I'm still going to chant he sucks, but he is making great throws in that McDaniel offense, which is definitely a scheme that's working out for him. Seeking a scheme in for this Sunday as we go down the trail of Trainwreck Tonight 309. Make sure you're subscribing on all platforms. Real quick for Sunday, everyone knows I'm a Kingsley Jonathan guy. Leonard Floyd day-to-day this week. McDermott said it. Could it be the breakout game we've been waiting for out of Kingsley Jonathan Talbot? I'm going to lean no right now because day to day, <laughs> day to day, I'm, I'm not ready to say that uh, Floyd's out. Now, if he had dropped the week to week designation, I would have said, yes, it's Jonathan's time to come and play in a, in a big time moment or a big time game. Uh, I still think there's a good chance Floyd suits up for the Bills. Okay. Okay. Um, and real quick, just tonight before we get to shout outs and signups, Monday night doubleheader again. I think we have what Panthers, Saints, uh, Browns, Steelers. So some nice divisional matchups. Are you guys for or against the Monday night football doubleheaders? Yeah, you're nay. Nay. Hate them. <laughs> Hate them. Um, 
even when they're staggered, it's it's not something that I'm a big fan of. A lot of time it was the West Coast games. Tonight it's only an hour though. It's not even really that well staggered. And if you're invested in one game, it, it takes away from the other. And I get it. There's multiple one o'clock, multiple. Uh, four o'clock games throughout the season that you have to choose one or the other. But Monday night, that should just be one game. You're stuck watching it. Even if it's like Arizona Cardinals versus another atrocious team, you have to sit there and dedicate those three hours to it. Bill? I'm I'm the opposite. I kind of like it because I don't have like Sunday tickets. So like, you know, I could just go back and f- as long as it's not like one. Of, I mean, if the Bills are playing anyway, no matter what time slot, obviously I'm just tuned into them. But Agreed. I, if the Bills are in it, I'm anti it, but I like yeah. it with two games. I mean, just because I I want to say if it was Saints Panthers tonight, like, eh, I'm not really that invested. In that might be a Monday night raw night, uh, Talbot. But now that <laughs> you throw in the Brown Steelers, we got the Steelers action going on as well. Two football games uh, takes care of the wrestling action. So we'll be there. Uh, hey, folks, thanks for tuning along with us on Victory Monday here. Trainwreck tonight, 309. Make sure you're subscribing on all platforms. Make sure you're subscribing to these guys. Brother Bill 716 on all the platforms, I believe. And you can catch Ryan Talbot at Ryan Talbot Bills, uh, as well as Upstate New York with Matt Perino on the weekly programming there multiple times a week, I believe, as we roll through the season. Uh, gents, any shout outs or anything before we sign off? Oh, thanks to all the Bills fans that came out to Wing Nuts on Saturday night. Awesome. Thanks, Maniac, for being there. Uh, we had three Bills fans from Iceland, of all places, that showed up because they heard we were going to be there doing a live pod. Obviously, they came to town for the Bills game. It wasn't like, let's get you know to Buffalo for just the shout pod from Iceland. But to come out to the pod, unbelievable. A lot of uh, Canadian fans, Nova Scotia, they said that they flew in and uh, really humbling when you get to meet the Bills Mafia and they make their time to come and see you at these live pods. Billiam? Um, uh, I mean, yesterday I met a new group of people at the tailgate behind me, and I spent the whole day with them, and they were awesome. This dude had a missing middle finger, and we were playing flip cup with him, and it was it was pretty electric. He was the man. What does he do when he's mad at somebody in traffic? <laughs> I didn't ask him, actually, but uh, he was pretty proud of it. He went by nubs. Oh, okay. I was he good at flip cup? Because I feel like that's like the, the one that you use them, you know, I, yeah, the, the middle finger is crucial. Yeah. Good. Honestly, he was the guy yeah. right. Me, so we won like five in a row. So. Hey, we'll love to hear that. Always making eternal friendships and relationships at the tailgate. Again, not to be a broken record, but shout out to Ryan Talbot Bills, Brother Bill 716 for joining us here on Trainwreck tonight. For my shout out, I'll go real quick to the Trainwreck sponsors. Uh, shout out Picasso, shout out Outlet Liquors, shout out Labatt, shout out all of them for supporting this train as we roll through the season. Thank you very much. Make sure you're following again SoundCloud, YouTube, all of the platforms for all of these guys. And most importantly, let's go have a good night. Now.